Hi, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Southern Fried Podcast. I'm Rex Nelson, Senior Editor of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. This podcast is a Democrat Gazette production, and we thank you for being a part of it. Longtime friend as a guest today, Judge Robert L. Brown. Bob Brown is a retired justice from the Arkansas Supreme Court and has just a wonderful book that I wrote a column about a few months ago called All Rise, How Race, Religion, and Politics Shaped My Career on the Arkansas Supreme Court. I mean, if you're an Arkansas history nerd, which I am, if you're a political nerd, which I am, you will love this book, because I know I did. Judge Brown, thanks for joining us today. Yes, I'm glad to be here. You know that. Yeah. You know, I only have so much... uh, room in a column so I you know when I wrote my when I wrote my column about your book I kind of kind of centered on the uh on the first of it your your family coming to this foreign land called Arkansas because no question because you know I write about the Arkansas culture a lot and uh you know I you painted just such a great image my mother's from East Arkansas and uh I, I could just picture uh, those cotton fields there and the trucks hauling workers out to chop the cotton and uh, swamps on either side of old highway 70 between Memphis you painted such a beautiful picture and these upstanding Virginians and I'm I, in my mind I was just picturing your mama squalling all the way through there saying where 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 have they sent us <laughs> well there was some of that uh, she was a Virginian and from Fairfax and yeah dad started his ministry he was an Episcopal minister and then an Episcopal bishop here in Arkansas, but he started his ministry down in Harlingen, Texas. In Harlingen, okay. In the 30s, and the reason he was in Harlingen is the Episcopal Bishop of Texas thought he needed to learn humility. Mm. So I <laughs> sent him to Harlingen. Interesting. And Dad said, or Mom said, she almost starved there. I mean, it was yeah. the Depression right before the war. I mean, it was terrible. And she was, it was right out of Giant. Uh, oh, absolutely. You know, Rock Hudson and Elizabeth My Taylor. favorite movie. Yeah. My favorite movie. I, 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 and, and it always has been about my favorite movie. And uh, not that this was planned or anything, but I end up... Uh, of course, Melissa, my wife, is Mexican American from South Texas. Yeah, so there you uh, go. something about there that. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's I ended up marrying into that culture. Yeah. Well, as you uh. can imagine, uh, I'm really a Texan by birth and by my first seven years. Mm-hmm. And then when they closed the schools, my senior year in high school, I went down to Austin, Texas. But when I ran for the Supreme Court here in Arkansas, I did not emphasize the fact that I'm a Texan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand completely. So, uh, again, your dad, uh, the Episcopal Church, and that Episcopal he Church. became the bishop here in Little Rock, and that's that's how you all got to Little Rock. That's when you exactly were right. Yeah. It took us. Uh, we drove from Richmond to Little Rock. Wow! All night. I was 14, so I could take my shift if I was with an adult. And that's why the part you described, my driving into Arkansas, I was driving. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Age 14, but it was fascinating. It was a completely different culture. 
and we just come through Memphis, which back then without the interstates was just horrendous. Yeah, it'd take half a day to get half through all the stoplights. Yeah. And my dad would get impatient. I'm not sure if I was driving with him or my mother, but when dad got impatient, you knew it. Mm. <laughs> but fascinating cultural shift. And, of course, I write in the book about how I got to Little Rock, and I was known as the son of a bishop. Right. Which you had to be careful how you said that. Exactly. And I had an accent, which I didn't realize. I'm a Virginia accent. I had no idea I had an accent, but everybody else knew. You know, here, there, oh, yeah. and everywhere, oh, yeah. and, and tomato, all of that. There's a moose in the hoose. Go get him out. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a bit of an oddity, no yeah. question about that. Yeah, yeah. my uh, my father's older sister uh, married a uh, soon after World War II. She was in the Women's Air Corps in the WAC. Good for and, her. And she married, uh, raised in Benton, Arkansas during the Great Depression, and she ended up raising a buyer. Uh, for Tallheimer's uh, department store and lived in Richmond for many, many years. And I that, would, that was a great store. Yeah, and she would go to Europe with him. So it was quite a life for a girl from Benton, Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tallheimer's and Miller and Rhodes yeah. were the two stores in Richmond. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but he was a Tallheimer's buyer and would go all over the world. So I, I got some, some Richmond roots there a little <laughs> bit uh, through that. But, but Arkansas is home, and it became home for you. You said you found out you had an accent. T- talk a little bit about the, the rest of the adjustment, if you will. Well, uh, I, I came here, of course, in the ninth grade, and I had gone to an all-boys school in Richmond and had a great, uh, I guess I would call it a Victorian education. So although Forest Heights and Central and Hall High were great schools, those are the three schools I attended here, I was a little bit ahead initially, and I gradually regressed as my social life took hold. There you go. There you go. (laughs) But as you know, Central High School back then, this is when I was a sophomore, I mean, it was a city. Oh, huge. Yeah. Yeah. You went there, and I mean, all sorts and conditions, except no African Americans, of course. But it was the last year of segregation, and I was here in the Jim Crow era, so I watched it all develop, the Brown decisions being implemented, and then, of course, the integration of Central. And I talk about a meeting I, I had my, senior, my junior year when I, when I was with Hall High School, and the Quakers came to Little Rock to kind of pray and mm-hmm. hope to put a little bit of a— I don't know, prayerful life into a very tense situation. Yeah. So I went to a meeting with a couple of the Little Rock Nine and a couple of my contemporaries. And I remember at the meeting, because I was not really well-versed with how my peers in the black community lived. I had no contact with mm-hmm. them, Jim Crow and all that. Mm-hmm. So I met with Melba Patillo and a couple, oh, of, wow. a couple of other the Little Rock Nine, and somebody had the temerity to ask uh, Melba, do you feel inferior to some of the white students? Well, <laughs> Melba said, I don't feel inferior to anybody. And I Just said, her. Uh, oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, she was a force, and I, yeah. I was impressed. Yeah. I was impressed with her, and I was impressed with the whole meeting. And how I got there, I think I got there because of my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad had taken a very uh, – 
progressive stance. I mean, he believed in obeying the law, and that meant obeying the Brown decision. So he was not in favor of voting. Which, as you write, led to ugly calls to your house and more. Oh, yeah. My mother had a whistle, which she would blow into the telephone. Wow. When people called and just were silent on the telephone, Mm -hmm. uh, she would get their attention that way. Yeah, just heavy breathing on the other end. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) You got it. You got it. Uh And I read Roy Reed's book on Faubus, and Mm -hmm. frankly, I had no idea that the state police was out, you know, following people they suspected of being too progressive and all that. Well, they were following us, I'm sure. Wow. But um, it was a terrible time, tense time and whatnot. Now, I say that. I really saw no ramifications of it. I went to this meeting with the Quakers, but I was playing football at Hall and very much in, engrossed in at, that culture. At that age, we're kind of blissfully ignorant I was, of I knew the ways some, of the world, aren't we? I knew some of my friends uh, were involved in the Chile incident at Central High School mm-hmm. where Chile was dumped. I've forgotten who dumped Chile on I've whom. read about it, yeah. Yeah, but I knew some of my friends were involved in that. But otherwise, I just uh, had no idea, no contact. I knew that Central was undefeated in football. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) The great Wilson Matthews is head coach of the Tigers in those days. That's exactly right. And we had Coach uh, Peters, who was his— Raymond Peters, absolutely. And he was a great coach. He was at Hall. But, uh, yeah, Bruce Fullerton and all that, Jimmy Wood. I mean, it it was a great team. But enough of that. I mean, this is the year before they really had the great team, and it continued after that, but mm-hmm. not not to the extent. Mm-hmm. But um, Central was going through all this, and I read some of the recollections of people today, and I'm just really surprised that, I mean, it was so, uh, so hard on the African Americans and why it wasn't more caring at uh, at Central in a, in a way. And then as you alluded to, of course, that was in the fall of uh, 57, the 58-59 school year. All of the public schools in Little Rock are closed that Well, that's year. right. That's right. And the adults voted that they uh, be closed. There was the authority. It's just unbelievable to me it now. Really, it really is. Yeah. You know, our parents voted to close the schools. Yeah. Basically, and it wasn't close. Mm-hmm. I mean, the vote was overwhelming. And so here we were kind of, uh, why in the world are you doing this? And I remember being uh, going to some meeting and being interviewed by the national press as we came out of this meeting, and they just lined us up and said, do you favor integration or segregation <laughs> to each of us? And, of course, most of us said integration. We wanted to go to school. So, I mean, it was horrendous in a, in a low period, low mark for our parents, in my mm-hmm. judgment. Absolutely. And you wind up, you said, in Austin, Austin, Texas? Texas yeah. yeah, at a co-educational boarding school. Interesting. Very interesting. And uh, it was really progressive, I guess you could say. Yeah. But the, the bishop of Texas was a close friend of my father. Gotcha. Gotcha. And he offered me a free ride to St. Stephen's in Austin, Texas, which is a great school. And a friend of mine, Howie Cockrell, went with me, mm-hmm. and we uh, – we were the refugees. That's yeah. what they called us. The Arkansas refugees. And yeah. some some people, I didn't realize this at the time, but some of the students there thought that we were coming to St. Stephen's to avoid integration in Little Rock. Mm. And that was really, that was strange. Yeah. It but, had to uh, be. A great education. And Austin, Texas was kind of like a Little Rock back then. And you know, there were uh, obviously. I'm I'm too young. I was I was wasn't born until '59. But uh, my parents would tell stories, as you know. There were Little Rock kids who farmed out with friends and relatives 
literally all over the country in your case, but certainly all over the state. Uh, my my parents told of families in my hometown of Arkadelphia, a number of them, who took in Little Rock kids that oh, entire oh, school yeah. year. I, I know Mayla Maris went down there. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Frank Lyon did, but there were three or four people from Little Rock that we knew. Mm-hmm. And, of course, my wife is from uh, Fordyce. Right. So that was right down the road. So she would come to Arkadelphia and, and date these Little Rock people. They were, they were there in school. Right, <laughs> right. right. They're in school. Because of the two universities there, it had a reputation of having a good public school district. Yeah, no with question. A, yeah. No question. And a lot came there, I know, that yeah. year. I, th- I think Malin even played basketball there. Mm. So. <laughs> and it was a badger for a year. Good, good for him. Now, you end up at Suwannee for, Went for to college. Suwannee. Yeah. I did. Uh, All-male uh, Episcopal school. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like being in the Army. I mean, you're up there yeah. on a mountain and whatnot. What but a beautiful campus, though. Beautiful campus, and I loved it. Made some really close friends who I still have. And learned English literature. That's what I studied. And I eventually went to Columbia on a scholarship to pursue English literature. And I laughingly tell people my master's thesis at Columbia was the sweetness of the pain, the female symbol in the poetry of John Keats. Wow. Now, that really prepared me for the Supreme Court and for prosecuting. I want you to know. (laughs) Yeah. Political campaign. But that was it. So I did uh, literature for a long time and then decided to – I'd done some political work when I was in law school with uh, Rockefeller first Mm -hmm. against Marion Crank. And then for Dale Bumpers against Rockefeller. What got back up just a little bit? How how did you get back home to Arkansas? Uh, During the summers when I was in law school, I decided to go to law school after Columbia. Right. And decided to go to UVA, which is having troubles today, even Mm. as we speak. Oh, so sad. And our mutual friend Raymond Abramson also went to UVA. Right. Right. But anyway, uh, I went to UVA. I had some family who had gone there and some old friends from Richmond. So, I mean, it was Mm -hmm. a good place to go. But I went to UVA and uh, studied the law. And during the summers, I would come home and clerk in Little Rock for a law firm, Channing, Mitchell, Hamilton, and Burrow. And, um, and during those summers, Brownie Ledbetter, mm-hmm. who was a uh, old friend, a yeah. bomb thrower, absolutely, uh, uh, would call me up and tell me who I, what I needed to do. And she said, "You need to go out and campaign for Winthrop Rockefeller, who really changed Arkansas, as you well know. He was the progressive who had the vision to at least suggest and write down things that he wanted to do." The problem is he had a Democratic General Assembly, and it took a Dale Bumpers to come in mm-hmm. and pass his vision, you know, free textbooks, free kindergarten, more money for the med center, blacks in government, reorganization, all of that. Dale Bumpers passed, but it was Rockefeller's vision. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I have always, as you know, I've written about it extensively, have always said that in my mind, Rockefeller was the most important person in the 20th century to Arkansas. People say not Bill Clinton, and just what you said. I said it took a Rockefeller to make a Bumpers and then a David Pryor and then a Bill Clinton possible. Well, well, that's exactly right. Because it forced the Democratic Party to change itself after two consecutive defeats uh, by the old guard, Justice Jim Johnson and Marion Crank. That's exactly right. And he was a visionary. I mean, he had some defects. We all have defects, Mm -hmm. but he was a visionary. And I still admire the work he did. Uh, 
John Kirk, I think it is. Just we had John on this podcast actually right? a few months ago. Yeah. Well, he's coming. Yeah, out. marvelous book. I don't know if you've read it. Or I haven't not. read it. I can highly recommend it. All right. Well, I'm going to buy it. I went to his the Political Animals Club mm-hmm. where he made a presentation. And I'm waiting. I'm going to buy that book, and I'm waiting on the second book. He's working on all the Arkansas years now. I don't know how long it'll take. Well, but, uh, tit for tat, he came to a book signing of mine last night. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good. Good. Well, he's, I, a, he's a great guy. Took, just like I can highly recommend All Rise, I can highly recommend John Kirk's biography of the early Rockefeller yeah, years. Well, it took a Brit to come over and then, Tell then, us then, about though, civil rights. It, it really <laughs> he is the expert on the civil is, rights era in and Arkansas. He studied it. He has studied yeah. it. He he really has. Yeah. We'll be back with more of the Southern Fried Podcast, but first, this break. Hi, Rex Nelson here. Thanks for listening so far. A lot of the topics we cover here on the Southern Fried Podcast and many more can be found on the pages of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. If you'd like to support this great newspaper's commitment to bringing you the latest in Arkansas news, sports, and entertainment, consider subscribing to the Democrat Gazette today. With your subscription, you'll get a digital edition of the newspaper every morning, along with the latest news and updates delivered to you on an iPad, provided at no extra cost. For just $34 a month, you'll get the same award-winning journalism you've come to expect from the Democrat Gazette, including my three weekly columns, plus exclusive photo galleries, videos, articles, and digital extras all in the palm of your hand. To sign up today, call 1-800-482-1121 or visit us online at arkansasonline.com forward slash subscribe. Welcome back to the Southern Fried Podcast, a production of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. So you start getting into politics and and talk about uh, some of the people for whom you worked and how well I that, I that eventually led to the Supreme Court and we'll get to the Supreme Court later. But I want to follow this path. Still. I first uh, prosecuted with Jim Got Tucker. Mm-hmm. I was with a a good law firm, a defense law firm, and I decided I wanted something more exciting. And Jim Got was twenty seven and I was twenty nine. We were too young to be prosecuting, but. Uh, he called me up and said, I need another prosecutor because we got this backlog of criminal cases, all these people in the county jail, and we need people to come over and try the cases. So I did that for a year and a half, and then Jim Guy wanted to run for attorney general, and I helped him in that campaign. But I didn't want to go to the attorney general's office. You did office. not want to be an attorney in the attorney general's office. I did office. not want to yeah. do that. So the the Boondarkind in, in Little Rock and in Arkansas was Dale Bumpers. Mm-hmm. So I knew Tom McRae, and I called up uh, McRae, and he said, yeah, we, we'd love to have you come over and be the legal aid and write speeches. And uh, I did that with Dale, gosh, for about two and a half years and went through the Fulbright campaign, which mm-hmm. was a monumental event, as you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Richard Arnold and Archie Schaefer and I went to Washington with Dale in 74. 1975, he would have taken office as senator, right? You're exactly right, and I thought we were going to be the heroes up there. Well, we weren't. There were a lot of people up there who had been very friendly to the Fulbright, so Mm -hmm. we had to kind of make our way, but Dale being the personality he was, he made his way, and it was an 
wonderful experience. I mean, I had my committees, and Richard had his committee, and uh, Archie did politics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and still does. And still does. He's wonderful. <laughs> Good friend. You know, he yeah. did a little blurb in the book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But then I went with Jim Guy got elected to Wilbur Mills's uh, seat. Right. And that was after the fall, after Wilbur had had That's his right. Fanny Fox uh, situation. Fall of 76. And yeah. And I'll tell you a good story about Wilbur. Um, I was Jim Guy's office manager, and I said, I have to go see Wilbur Mills. So I went into to Wilbur Mills's office, and everybody, of course, called him Mr. Chairman. He was the most powerful man in, in Congress. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, Ways and Means, when he was chairman, didn't even have any subcommittees. And uh, all of us who remember our old civic lessons know that federal tax law changes have to start over in the House. So if you wanted any change in the federal tax code, you had to go through this one guy from Kensett, Arkansas. <laughs> Amen, That brother. is real power right that, there. That was yeah. raw power. Yeah. So I go into Wilbur's office, and I sit down, and he looks at me for about five seconds, and, you know, that seemed like an hour. And he had his glasses down on his nose, and finally he said, Bob? I said, yes, sir. He said, you know, alcoholism is a disease. And I said, yes, sir, I know that. He said, I have that disease. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, I want you to know that your father, I had no idea he knew my father mm-hmm. from Adam. He said, your father worked with alcoholics in Little Rock. And I said, I, I kind of knew that. And he said, one of my best friends was a car dealer, and he couldn't hold a cup of coffee. I mean, the cup would just jiggle in his hand, and your dad got him into AA and this, that, and the. Wow. So we just had a great time talking, bonded over that. I mean, I don't think he cared much about Jim Guy. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was interested in AA and his well, current condition, I, which I, was. I have to share one story with you. Um as you know, Arkansas is such a wonderful small state where there are two degrees of separation at most. Well, my late grandfather from Desark was the county judge in Prairie County back in the 1930s when Mr. Mills was a very young county judge of White County, adjoining counties. Yeah. And my grandfather would kind of mentor, apparently, Mr. Mills in the ways of county judges back then. Uh, now, that's raw power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so I go to Washington. I'm sent up there by the Arkansas Democrat in 1986. The big story is the tax reform bill of 86. And Mr. Mills, of course, long gone from Congress, but still with the K Street law firm of counsel. And I thought, well, this is an obvious story. Nobody, nobody's going to know more. He wrote most of the federal tax code than Mr. Mills. So and memorized it. I go see him. And when you said Mr. Chairman, he had a wooden block cutout that said Mr. Chairman. Of course. Still on the front of his desk. <laughs> so he is cordial, but not overly friendly. And then I... You know, the old who are your people Arkansas thing. I did my name drop. And I said, Mr. Mills, I think you knew my late grandfather. And he said, who was your grandfather, son? And I said, W.J. Kasky of Desark. He lit up, <laughs> and I'm going to quote him word for word. He said, 
My God, son, said if it hadn't been for the votes Will Caskey delivered me in Prairie County, I wouldn't have been elected to Congress the first time. Now, I didn't want to know the meaning of delivered necessarily. One for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Convince people to vote for me. in the old days. Yeah, yeah. So from then on, he was a great source. Never would let me quote him by name. Well, that was why. But it was one of those, according to somebody close to the tax negotiations type things. Right. Right, right. Well, and no really, better source. Oh, there was not. But that that is a great story because uh, it was really interesting. So you so you were in Washington for how many years? Oh gosh, I was there for about three and a half. And okay, I, I came back to Little Rock because Jim Guy decided he wanted to run for the Senate in '78. Right, and he ran against a Thornton. Prior Thornton, that great three way race for the nom- Democratic nomination. Yeah. yeah, and so I came back. I wasn't going to go back to Washington, regardless of whether Tucker won or not. I'd been there long enough, and I think it was Ed Lester. Who, I put in four years, and that was long enough for well, me, yeah. so I can relate. Yeah. Ed, Ed Lester told me two years, and mm-hmm. I'd been there for three and a half. Ed Lester was a lawyer who was a friend of mine. He said, Bob, go up there. Don't stay too long. Come back here and run for judge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was kind of prescient. But yeah. uh, anyway, I came back and decided to write articles and um, for about 10 years and joined Fred Harrison, and we had a two-man partnership. Somebody asked Fred, uh, "What kind of land? What kind of law do you and Bob practice?" I mean, we struck fear in the hearts of everybody, as you can imagine. <laughs> and uh, Fred said, "Well, our law practice—I could wax eloquent, but it's really grab ass." <laughs> Whatever comes across the transom, basically, it. yeah. You got it. Yeah, if it's a paying client, we'll go with it. Yeah. But then he went and became general counsel for the University of Arkansas, right, and right. I became of counsel with uh, Arnold Grobein Haley and did a lot of litigation until Steele Hayes, I think, was the first to suggest I run for the Supreme Court. And and what convinced you to make that run? Why, oh, why gosh. Did you say- I, I, it was, well, I knew politics. Mm-hmm. And I had networks. I had the church network. I knew a lot of young lawyers. Uh, Charlotte, you know Charlotte. Oh, that's a force of nature. <laughs> Charlotte, has The judge's never, wife is a force of nature, yeah. She, she, she has never met a crowd she didn't like. She's got a great network herself around oh, the state. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had a book signing last night. I mean, they were there to see me, but also to see Charlotte. Exactly. <laughs> I can picture that. Yeah. I, I'll never forget Downey McGee. She spent 15 minutes talking to this guy who said he wasn't going to vote for me. And Charlotte said, why aren't you going to vote for Bob Brown? And he finally said, I'm a convicted felon. Ah, That's I a true story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> true story. So uh, anyway, she was um, exuberant and a zealot. And one of the reasons, without question, that I won. Mm-hmm. And that was what year now that you first I, went on the bench? I went on the bench in uh, 91. 91, okay. Gotcha. And uh, I only won, you know, it was not decided the next day. I was mm-hmm. behind th- by 30 votes, and then that afternoon I was ahead by 150 votes. And it wasn't really decided until that weekend when my opponent conceded, Judith Rogers. Mm-hmm. So uh, I won by about 1,100 votes out of 300,000. Yeah. It, it was really close. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. You know, I've been involved in politics like I was, the, the little things that stick in my head. And I was going to say she was so close because of that Jerry Russell jingle, Judge Judith Rogers for Justice. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. See, that's, not, that's still stuck in my head. I, um, I, I, Jerry got... Russell was an old friend. And for those of you who didn't know, he was like a jingle master. He was. Radio, yeah. 
to get I, people's I'm, names to I'm be trying memorable. To th- trying to think of one of the jingles that I could recall, but I can't off the top of my head. But yeah, no, he, he had he famous ones way back. Remember Bob Roseman, pin a rose on me for I remember mayor that. of North Little Rock. I remember yeah. that. But he yeah. he was a genius. He also was a Civil War mm-hmm. expert. Yep. And I went over to lecture to one of his groups about the Civil War, and I said something like Robert E. Lee uh, was first offered the uh, head of the the general overall general of the Union of the Ar- Union Army, right? And he called me over after he said, "No, it wasn't the whole Union Army. It was like the Army of the Pacific or something like yeah, that." So, yeah. All right, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to argue. I'm <laughs> not going to argue yeah. that. But no, he he was good. He was yeah. good. And obviously, you found the Supreme Court work to your liking. Well, I had written an article on George Rose Smith, who uh, you may know is just an icon. Absolutely. He designed all the procedures. He was on the court for longer than I was, probably close to 35 years. And he said, Bob, I was on, I did an article on him, so I I knew him pretty well. He said, "Uh, Bob, out of all those opinions I wrote, there were only about six that I consider memorable. And I said, good Lord, out of 2,000 opinions, only Mm -hmm. six? Then I started thinking, well, I can't outdo George Rose Smith. So I I picked about nine decisions that I I thought might be uh, of interest, and that's where I went. But Which which one comes to the top of the heap? Well, uh, the Lakeview decisions, there were about six of them, but they Mm -hmm. had to do with uh, how to educate our public school students. And I'm really talking about primary and secondary school children and how much money should be provided per school district per pupil, and whether the education was adequate, whether students were graduating who knew how to read and write and do basic math. And the answer to that second question is no, because a lot of students go into Arkansas, Wachita Baptist, Mm -hmm. UCA, Mm -hmm. uh, had to take remedial classes. They really didn't know how to read and write. And I know that's the case now because everybody's on their cell phone. So... uh, you know, it's even worse now, but we were concerned. I'm, I'm talking about we, the really the plaintiffs in the case, about how we can better the adequacy quotient of our public schools. So that, that was part of the decision. And, of course, you and I have visited about this extensively through the years, but that was such a landmark decision. I was working in the governor's office at the time, of course, as the policy and communications director for Governor Huckabee. I can remember exactly where I was when the decision came down. It was this time of year. It was November, right after the 2002 election. And uh, we were at the governor's mansion for a luncheon event and convened an emergency meeting that afternoon and obviously uh, trying to comply with that decision uh, dominated Mike Huckabee's full four-year term and, of course, ran on into the BB administration then and uh, you know, we did what we had to do, and uh, I have always believed that it would not have happened in the legislature unless the Supreme Court had kept that gun to the head of the Arkansas legislature, so so to speak. And, and, and you did. You kept saying, come back and do it again. You, you don't have it right yeah. yet. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, it was like a school teacher almost that keeps handing you your paper back that, time after that's time. That's what I thought I was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Rapping on that's the That's how I explain it. But we Getting were, a ruler on the knuckles. We were happy. We were happy for it because, well, I, uh, you know, as you know, in the governor's office, we went whole hog. We were going for school districts of fifteen hundred minimum at well, one point. I I tell you this, to be brutally frank, 
Mike Huckabee surprised me. Mm-hmm. I think he did a lot of people at that point. Yeah. I thought he might fight the decision. Yeah. Not and demagogue it, yeah. And not only did he embrace it, he went much further. Mm-hmm. He had minimum, you know, school district populations, mm-hmm. quotas, that sort of thing. I mean, he was great on education. He was also great on highways. So there were a couple of things that he needs to be remembered for, but education is right there at the top. Yeah. And his school, who was his director of education? I quote him in the book, but I remember he was saying, you know, Arkansas is a player now yeah. as, as far as the public schools. Because well, it's dominated all day, every day. I can tell you this in the governor's office of that last term, education well, did. Well, he got it right, and he worked on it. And, you know, I take my hat off to him yeah. for doing that. Well, I take my hat off to the Supreme Court for doing what needed to be done. That 1,500 number, of course, got boiled down by the legislature to 350. That's right. But even at 350, it was the most consolidation this state had done in decades, many decades. In our decision, we never used the C word, Mm -hmm. consolidation, but the whole emphasis was that school districts would get together so they could amass the populations and have a better curriculum. So it was an enforced consolidation without using that term. But he did. Mike Huckabee used the term. Well, it was a memorable ruling. And I certainly at the top of my list of the ones (laughs) that you wrote. Now, near the end of the book, and and I knew we'd run out of time quickly, and we're running out of time. I'll have to have you back sometime because I'm enjoying this so much. But you've got a chapter which, as a writer, I certainly love more than just a lawyer or a writer. And... uh, not only this book, but uh, you did a book. We were just talking about a governor called Defining Moments, Historic Decisions by Arkansas Governors from Sig McMath through Mike Huckabee. Talk a little bit about that. People can still find that book. It was published back in 2010. Yeah, University Press did mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I start with Sid McMath, and Sid McMath was a war hero. He came back after World War II and ran for prosecuting attorney in uh, Garland County, Hot Springs. And Hot Springs at that time was a controlled county, shall we say. Yes. McLaughlin, I think is Leo McLaughlin, who was the dictator down there. Technically, he was the mayor of Hot Springs, but he was the dictator. Even even as a former mayor, he still ran everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, he was an autocrat, no question about it. And Sid took him on. The veterans Mm -hmm. came back, and Sid took him on. And Sid and I used to get together and laugh about that because I wrote an article about him in addition to that book. But he quoted poetry. Sid knew poetry. Wow. And I remember on one occasion, you're not going to believe this, he couldn't see. He was blind. Right. Towards the end. Right. And I said, "Uh, Governor, let's do Invictus. And I said, I quoted, out of the night that covers me. And he went black as a pole, black as the night from pole to pole. And took it from there? And we did line after line. Wow. And he I was wish you had a video of that. Yeah. Well, I, I told Phil about it fairly uh-huh. recently, but Sid McMath was great. Um, I guess after Sid, we had. Uh, Gosh, the uh, you would have you would had Francis Cherry for just two years, and then Orville Faulk and then Orville came in and beat Francis Cherry, right? And served six terms, of course, six two-year terms. And you know he had been on the staff with Sid McMahon, Mm -hmm. and I think Sid put him on the Highway Commission, right? So he was really a McMath clone creation, yeah, yeah. And then Jim Johnson 
rattled his sabers up in northwest Arkansas or northeast Arkansas, I guess. And all but made his fateful decision in '57. Yeah. Made that made the pact with the devil, and he said, "I think Jim Johnson told me this right before he died." He said. Oval was not a leader, but he was a follower, and he mm. could read the uh, what do you call it? The cards on the floor. Oh, yeah. And he knew yeah. that segregation was the way to go, and he followed my my lead on that. Wow. He wasn't a segregationist at heart. He was an opportunist. Oh, absolutely. He was a progressive from the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Dad was a socialist, named him after a socialist. Orville Eugene Faubus, after Eugene Debs, head of the American Socialist Movement, went to Commonwealth College for a while. Yeah, so. and was president of the student body. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, he was no, very progressive when he first came in the governor's yeah, office. And, and did some progressive things. Mm-hmm. And got Rockefeller to be the development. Uh, ADC first chairman when absolutely. he was ADC. Yeah. And w- what a smart move that was. Absolutely. And then had to run against Rockefeller, as you know, yeah. beat him. But Rockefeller got 64% of the vote, which was a major victory for mm-hmm. a Republican who's one of the richest men in the world, who had a few personal problems and this, that, and the other. But Rockefeller, and then came back and beat, uh, I guess, Jim Johnson and Mary mm-hmm. Crank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so great, great history. Well, that's it's a great book. Judge, I'm out of time. I really have enjoyed it. I've got to have you back, and I want to dig into this a little well, bit we more. we have seven I, more governors to talk about. I know. <laughs> that's why we're going to have you back. Thank you, Rex. Thank you originally. It. Yeah. Judge Bob Brown, retired justice of the Arkansas Supreme Court. His book is called All Rise, How Race, Religion, and Politics Shaped My Career on the Arkansas Supreme Court. Thank you for joining us for... The Southern Fried Podcast, a production of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I'm Rex Nelson. We'll see you next time around.